Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor, or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Well, hello and welcome everyone to Spotty, streaming to you live from Melbourne Town here in the Ticker News studio in glamorous Richmond, where for the last time this week, we get to shine the spotlight on your shares and answer your questions. Yep, live on air. So how do you get to ask them, of course? Well, I'm sure you've memorized it, but just in case you haven't, 0480-079-089 is Dex's text number and he's waiting to take your text message as soon as you have that question come to mind. Or you can email us, question at spotty.com. .au. You will see these contact details appear at the bottom of your screen throughout the show, so there's no need to memorize it. But as I always like to say, it's good to have it into your smartphone. That way, if you have that question that pops up to mind, you can ask us anytime you like. We're open 24-7, of course. So let's bring in today's Chief Spotters. Uh, and in the spirit of Easter this weekend, I thought we'd get someone in who sneezes gold eggs when he breathes. And basically, he's our resident Willy Wonka. It's David Novak from Wealthwise Education. G'day, David. How are you doing? Good. Thanks, Elio. Great to be with you and everyone else and, and the um, uh, people watching. Excellent. Now, look, of course, um, we've all got the golden ticket today. We get to hear your uh, great words. Uh, you're one of our fan favourites, of course. But look, David, for those that may be tuning into the show for uh, the very first time and haven't had the opportunity to hear you speak before, why don't you tell us a little bit about your investing background, your current style and uh, the great education business that you've built there at Wealthwise? Yeah, great. Thanks, Elio. Um, yeah, look, I've been a market veteran of 35, nearly come up, probably close to 40 years now. Um, and it shows with the gray, gray hairs you can see on the sides there. Um, look, I, I've been, um, you know, one of the things I've, I've been teaching for 20, nearly 20 or three years now is um, teaching investors how to invest safely in the market uh, using what are called technicals, um, charting and combined with fundamentals now looking at the uh, health of companies earnings and timing you know timing is one of the critical things i've learned over more than 30 years and uh, also how to use derivatives option strategies in the markets to for leverage and protection so you know you can actually protect your shares in self-managed super funds how to generate income against blue chip shares in the top 50 and uh, how to trade options so i've been teaching that for 20 years as well so um, that's basically what we do at Wealthwise Education. Yeah, and you can experience it yourself, folks, because David's actually got a uh, upcoming two-day workshop uh, on the 1st and 2nd of May, so in a month's time, so there's still some time to book in. Go to the website, wealthwise.com. Oh, sorry, wealthwiseeducation.com, I should say, um, and you'll see there's a section there called Courses. So click on that, and it's a two-day course on the 1st and 2nd of May. Well worth the investment if you're serious 
about making money. Uh, talking about serious, well, next, well, yep, it's me. I'm the other chief spotter today. Uh, uh, has been once a top performing fund manager, and basically, I've made more so much more money. I have more money than sense, really, to be honest. So I donate my time to this program. Uh, I also have a select uh, group of clients, of course, that I manage through our consulting services business with my partner in Shine. Chris Batchelor, but mainly I'm just living the dream and I'll be looking after the fundamentals today. So currently, as we go to where the market, yes, uh, always uh, funny buggers tend to happen uh, towards <laughs> the uh, end of the uh, calendar or end of the quarter. Uh, the All Ordinary is currently up some 1.3%. So it's having an incredibly strong uh, day today with the green across screen across most uh, sectors, including the banking sector, who's benefiting from that rebound in long-term bond yields. But let's look at the main market news. And I want to start with Suncorp, who today provided an update on the floods that have impacted, of course, New South Wales and Southeast Queensland. Uh, they've received some 7,600 claims to date, but that is expected to rise. Suncorp expects uh, the event to cost them between 230 and 250 million, which just takes them right up to their current allowance. Uh, they do have reinsurance programs in place, as all general insurers do, whenever that does breach that particular covenant in order to cover them. They're very uh, comfortable with regards to how things look until the end of the year, assuming, of course, there's no similar events. Uh, and yes, welcome to Australia, folks. But David, if I can ask you about um, Suncorp, if I can, having a pretty solid rebound today on the back of this news, no uh, skeletons in the closet, it would appear on the back of this. But, you know, what would you make of this business? Because many people, particularly those in the um, northeastern state, have held Suncorp for quite a while, ridden it through the ups and downs. It's been undergoing a bit of a restructure internally. Um, would now be a good time to consider them, notwithstanding the overhang that, you know, possibly more, more claims could come through? Yeah, I think so, Elio. Look, I've been looking at the chart here. You know, it's been in a really beautiful sideways uh, pattern here, Suncorp. If you look at the, the chart, it's uh, trading perfectly uh, from since the beginning of the year between $9.75 and $10.75. And it's just like clockwork, you know, three or four times here. So uh, this is a good level to buy. I mean, especially after that report today, it looks like the market was a muted response. The stock is currently up 1% or 11 cents. So, um, you know, this is a good, what we call a support level here. If anybody wanted to accumulate, um, I, I can't see uh, issue accumulating the stock down here, still paying a reasonable dividend yield of 3.6% fully franked. Um, yeah, so it looks like it, it could, you know, if it follows the pattern, it could easily bounce back up to that $10.75 level. So this looks like a good buying support level down here. Okay, well, a stock that's been challenging resistance levels for quite some time has been Malign Business McPherson's, who's announced that their interim CEO, Grant Peck, will now become their full-time CEO. McPherson's, of course, has suffered uh, particularly with a number of uh, issues regarding its China distribution. Uh, but that said, though, we uh, did hear uh, last week, or the week before, I can't remember now, uh, Gallon Proprietary Limited, an offshoot of the Jemina family, uh, who put in an on-market bid of some $1.34, and the price has shot up there. So that creates a natural resistance level here. Of course, the board has seen that offer as opportunistic, as you'd expect them to say, um, and no doubt there will be a bit more to play out there. But David, I will ask you about the next one. Um, you know, we, we've seen the rebound post-COVID economically, and we've seen that impact uh, a lot of uh, vehicle sales and uh, fleet managers and the like. And there's some movement in that sector today, including SG Fleet, who's going to be buying lease plans for some $387 million, of which $86 million will be raised from shareholders via an, via an accelerated 
147.44, non-renounceable rights issue. Uh, the deal makes the combined group the largest fleet manager in Australia and the third largest in New Zealand. The deal is still yet, of course, to get ACCC approval. And then there's also the FIRB approval that they've got to get too. But, you know, this one here has had a very strong lead up, uh, of course, after that uh, COVID sell-off. Um, and has found a bit of favour. So once the capital raising um, details and all that are sorted out, uh, could it be worth a bit of a nibble for someone now that's a real heavy hitter in a sector, which is, let's face it, actually seeing some good times at the moment? Yeah, look, uh, I'm not adverse to this one. Um, you know, it, it depends how this capital raising goes and, um, you know, looking out 12 months. But um, mm. just looking at the chart, it's had a really good rebound here from those March lows where we got down to a dollar forty, and uh, you know, go up to two eighty high, and it's pulled back a little bit. But the trend is still intact here. As long as it doesn't go below uh, two dollars forty, uh, if that would be my line in the sand, I would not want to want to hold this stock. This is the critical thing: um, is you know, always having a, a stop loss in place and knowing where to place it, because that's what I've discovered over the years <laughs> that for most people. Uh, don't have a stop loss in place or don't know where to get out when the, when the stock turns down. And that's one of the most important things that I've learned in th over 30 years is certainly knowing your exit strategy. So I'm not adverse to this one, um, you know, as long as it stays above that previous, like that 240 level, could go back up and test that 280 level again. Um, but look, I'm, it's not one that I would be jumping into you know, um, excitedly right now. There's better opportunities out there, but, um, you know, it pays a dividend uh, and it's not overly expensive. So it's fine if you've got it, you'd hold it. Um, and you may even wish to want to buy it down here. But uh, look, for me, there's better opportunities. Um, but I wouldn't be adverse to anybody who wants to buy it uh, up here, especially with the trend intact with that stop loss. Yeah, and look, sage words of advice there. You got to know when you're going to get out before you get in, because ultimately you got to know that point when you're wrong. And let's face it, in the share market, we can be wrong all the time. So let's get into uh, everyone's questions. But before I do that, I have to remind everyone, of course, that even though we're responding to your questions, we're actually not taking into account your personal objective situations or needs. And therefore, should you decide to act on any of the commentary uh, either mentioned by David or myself, then you need to do so in light of your own personal circumstances. Of course, past performance is no indicator of future performance, unfortunately, after this great run we've had. Uh, but uh, if you want to speak with anyone other than your significant other in life about any of this content, then please do so with a licensed advisor. And remember, we try to disclose when we do hold an interest in any of the stocks uh, discussed uh, today. Um, uh, but uh, sometimes in the cut and thrust of stock discussion, we forget. So for example, I should have told you I had SGF. Uh, for example, in my portfolio. Um, but uh, yes, uh, feel free to contact us directly though, if you wish to seek any clarification on any of the interests that we have in any stock. And uh, yeah, the, the other thing, David, just quickly to round out that SGF comment, I saw, I saw a media report today that they're actually talking about trying to incentivize the EV market here in Australia, of course, because we're so far behind a lot of the world in the uptake there. And I heard that they're considering not having fringe benefits tax on electric vehicles. Right, okay, you want to wow. see something go boom? Yeah, that's a boy. Okay, so let's get into the questions, folks. Um, I'm going to ask you, David, when you come on, think machine goes into meltdown, as you know, um, not stroking your ego, it's just a fact of life. Deal with it, folks. Uh, Medusa Mining, MML, uh, Philip would love an update in regards to your view of this, uh, well, one of Australia, if not, the Australia's cheapest listed uh, gold miner. 
Uh, uh, look, Elio, uh, how much time have you got on this one? Jeez, I mean, uh, well, I'm, as much time I'm, as I've you can spare, buying... great one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been in there buying this morning, actually, at seventy-eight, seventy-nine cents. That this is ridiculously uh, undervalued. Uh, got up to about ninety-four, ninety-five cents just recently. It's come down to this is a really good support level on the chart. So great level to buy this stock. I mean, as you said earlier there, it, it would be the cheapest gold producer, um, junior gold producer in the market. Um, when you're looking at the price here, like it values the business right now and the market capitalization today is 162 million. Now, if you look at their half yearly interim report, um, they have uh, about 100 million in the bank. So you've got an enterprise value here of around 60 million for a business that reported a half yearly net profit after tax, I'll highlight after tax in US dollars of 40 million. So just extrapolate that. So here you've got a business, got an enterprise value of 60, had a half yearly profit of 40 million after tax. And then they announced an interim dividend of five cents per share. So, you know, they're going to have another, you know, look, even though the gold prices pull back, they've got a very healthy margin. They produce, you know, they're on track to produce 90, 95,000 ounces of gold um, by June this year. And I expect that they're going, their next half yearly report is probably not as good, but still it's going to be great regardless. And I wouldn't be surprised if they announce another five cent dividend or fully a full year, um, a dividend of another five cents, which would make 10 cents for the year. And that would be on a yield of around 12 to 13 percent so on a PE of like two times so I mean what you know what more can I say it's uh, <laughs> you know if you want a healthy dividend yield and you want some capital growth because this will bounce back up and especially if the gold price like I'm looking at the gold price right now and there's a lot of questions around the gold price yeah. I have no concerns about the gold price at all um, you know technically okay it's come down it's just broken to around 1680 years but hey Inflation is coming. Mm. Don't worry about that. Inflation is coming and I see further weakness in the US dollar coming. So I have no concerns about the gold price and I see fantastic opportunities in this sector right now across the board. Excellent. I've got nothing else to add to that uh, excellent answer uh, there, Phil. So, yep, uh, take it as it will. What a great uh, business. Uh, but Greg did ask a question yesterday that I couldn't get to uh, in the show because he sent it a bit late. Uh, the question relates to Araman, uh, code AUN. And in answer to your question, Greg, yes, it's better buying now than when it was when it was first discussed at 30 cents. I like this stock. I hold it. Uh, they currently have RC drilling underway at Mount Dima with some 50 plus holes that they're looking to drill. Further, there are six targets that they're looking at from their uh, lightning and gold slipper deposits nearby. Uh, Brad has assembled a team with one purpose, really, and that's to get the most out of this Brownfields project. And he and the team are excited by the potential for new resource finds as well as multiple open pits. So, uh, yes, uh, poor old AUN is suffering because the gold price has been hit a little bit. Um, you know, it's about as uh, friendly as a sister-in-law at, at your awards night, I should say. Uh, really not good vibes at all. But with a market cap of some $21 million, this, you know, is no means stretched in my view with multiple objectives. Uh, minimum downside, really, uh, to be honest with you, at these levels. It's worth a swing in my view, um, just not the whole house, of course. Uh, and, yes, it will help if the gold price did find 
some favour as well. So AUN, still favourable, but yes, obviously the gold price playing a little bit of funny buggers with the uh, price there. Not sure what it was today. Yesterday closed at 24, comfortable at those levels. David, our question has come from Adonis uh, on the text machine, 0480-079-089. Wanted a technical view on two stocks, if you don't mind. The first, uh, Auckland International Airport, code AIA, and the second being Breville Group, BRG. Uh, so take it away, Maestro. Okay, uh, Auckland. Okay, well, um, hmm. yeah, look, again, uh, like most stocks, you know, had a great bounce from those COVID lows, down to $5.70 thereabouts and up to a high of $7.75. Pulled back very sharply, actually, during the, the February period. That must have been on their report or result. Um, bounced strongly from about $6.25 in February back up to about $7.30. And here we are at $7. Now, look, it's, it's very, um, well, looking at this, the trend is moving back up on a, a Auckland International Airports. It's very jagged, I've got to say. Mm. Nevertheless, it, it is moving up. You would want to have your stop loss on this, on this particular um, stock at, uh, looks like $6.70. I, that's where I would be, or $6.60 would be a, a, a level that you definitely would sell if it, if it broke below and closed there. Otherwise, you'd hold and you could even buy for a move back up to those highs at $7.75. But you definitely would have a stop loss at that level around $6, between $6.60 and $6.70. Mm. And the other one, Breville. Um, yeah. Let me just have a look. Uh, BR, what's the code? BRG. Uh, BRG, that's it. Yep. Uh, yeah, look, this one. Uh, again, uh, it's had a sharp back. Now, not surprising, a lot of the, uh, in the in this sector, a lot of these stocks in this sector, the discretionary, consumer discretionary sector has had sharp pullbacks here uh, during March. Um, look, it's looking a bit weak on the trend here, I've got to say. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be rushing to buy it here because it's had a really sharp pullback from just above $32 down to 28 and then it's had a weak bounce back up to um, sorry down to 26 and a weak bounce back up to 28 so right now um, if it breaks below that $26 level you do not want to be holding Breville um, so I would not be rushing back in to buy this unless it breaks back above that $28 level that's really the, the key level to watch and 26 Right now, it's in no man's land. Um, mm. So I, I wouldn't be rushing to buy this stock at the moment. I'd wait and see. All right, then. Well, the next question comes from Nick. Uh, Nick asks about Cyprium Metals, uh, code CYM for those playing along at home. It's an emerging copper play. Uh, really, the game-changing announcement that they make was, ba was back in February uh, when it announced that it had acquired the Metal X uh, assets, the copper assets, uh, which include the Nifty Copper Mine, uh, Maruchidor, um, as well as the Patterson Exploration Project, which um, all that part, that project there also has a farming agreement with Independence Group, IGO. Uh, the deal has actually been completed today, I noticed. The announcement came through today. Uh, basically, it means that they now sit on 1.1 million tonnes of copper, um, and they also have 2,800 square metres of prospective land. Now, they've made a very large capital raising. Now, it's important to note this, bringing in some $150 million. They initially uh, wanted to bring in 90, but it was so heavily oversubscribed, copper being a hot metal and actually doing quite uh, quite well in, in this recent uh, little bit of a metals pullback. So 
Um, the yeah, bit of selling pressure has come, as expected. Uh, the other thing that uh, conspires against it has been the slight pullback in copper price because when they initially announced the acquisition, it was uh, almost at its apex and now it's come back a little bit. They're also drilling at the uh, Nanadi uh, well as well, which sh showed up some grades, but to be honest, nothing to retire on yet, but there's enough to keep drilling and keep them excited in regards to that. It's also good to see directors buying more recently on that weakness too, and also through the capital raising. So look, to be honest, in summation, Nick, it looks poised. Um, copper, we know, is a hot uh, metal. They've now got a quality sort of resource that they're sitting on, provided they can drill the right holes in the right places and get it out at a good price, of course. But there might be some downward pressure ahead, again, on the back of that uh, capital raising, which my memory serves me correct, I think was around 20 cents. Um, and I think the stock's around 23 at the moment. So the closer it gets to that, the more itchy fingers you're going to find. And unfortunately, that might be a short-term consideration, definitely. From a longer term perspective, uh, the resource find will be more important. Um, Mark uh, has asked you just before we have our little break, uh, David, about um, two stocks who are in the same industry doing exactly the same thing. Can you please ask David for his comparative views on Aroa Biosurgery? So the code there, folks, is ARX, and we actually spoke about that yesterday, and Polynovo, PNV, a stock we've talked about quite a few times on this uh, program. Uh, which of them would he prefer um, in order uh, to hold for growth, according to him? And yes, that makes sense because none of them pay dividends. So, uh, David, uh, take it away. ARX or PNV and why? Yeah, look, um, I just had a, a brief look at these two stocks. Uh, Roa is probably the one that I would prefer over PNV, Polonova, only for the reason that it looks like they've got more revenue. And secondly, most importantly as well, their market cap valuation. Um, last time I had a look at this company, the, the valuation on here is about 349 million um, versus Polonova, which was um, 1.8 billion. Um, you know, the reason Polonova has um, got a higher market cap is they've got greater scale in terms of, um, you know, international uh, presence. But on valuation, uh, I've got to say, uh, Aroya, Aroya, is it how you say it? Aroya. Uh, looks, Aroya, it looks like better value to me. And plus mm -hmm. they're expanding in India as well. So they've got some trials going on at the moment that are very positive, uh, getting some positive uh, responses on their trial with the skin graph application, because uh, they're both in that area. Um, it's not my expertise, of course, but just saying based on um, upside potential and valuation, um, a row would be the one that I would pick over PNV. Uh, both the trends, though, at the moment are not what I'd call um, exciting. No. So you know, there's no there's no rush to go in and buy either of these stocks. Um, but uh, certainly, um, you know, they're both in an interesting area. Um, and uh, in the, uh, the healthcare sector or biosurgery sector, I should say, and. Um, Looks like there's some good upside potential, but particularly in Aurora, yeah. All right, Mark, before you go and press that buy button, though, I think I'll confuse you a little bit because my pick out of the two is actually Polynovo, to which I hold that business. Now, yes, they both produce that dermal polymer, uh, let's call it mesh skin, for very nasty things like burns and torrid skin conditions, of course. Um, they have very similar outcome, but the development of the two is very different in the sense that Aurora used uh, sheep gut versus Polynovo, which is completely synthetic. Now, 
Just to really break it down, in my view, that's this is, of course, a role will probably have all the documents to prove me otherwise. But to me, two things are important. One, that non-synthetic materials are shown, you know, basically to, uh, you know, you can get bacteria on them versus synthetic where that doesn't actually allow that. And the second, and David alluded to this point because AROA are actually trying to expand into India and good on them, they need to get beyond that because 95% of their current sales actually come from just the US alone versus Polynovo, who currently has an extensive global network and it's growing and that's why you are paying a premium uh, for that. Um, and uh, yes, there's other applications that they've currently got like hernia and a few other things. So. PNV wins in in my view, but yes, uh, two very similar ones, and it depends on your flavour and what floats your boat as to what excites you um, right there. Um, look, uh, just uh, quickly, uh, because yes, I've got the question already, but I will take it actually from Mark's eloquent words that he put it on Twitter, and then I'll let you uh, come with another comment if you've got one um, there, David. Mark says, um, uh, they say prevention is better than cure. So Mark's advanced, uh, he's given the, your answer for Grange Roads in advance. So we can thank Mark later for it. He said, anyone that asks the question about Grange Road, just tell them the pellet price is currently $336 US, uh, Aussie dollars per tonne, sorry. Uh, and they currently have bigger margins than any of the Pilbara players. And then he finishes off with, you're welcome. Um, anything else to add to that, uh, David, to uh, good old Grange Road? Oh, Grange Resources, you mean? Grange, Grange Resources. Resources. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Grange Road's the oh. brewery. Yeah, Grange Resources. Sorry. That's yes. right. I was thinking, wow, I was thinking um, I, I haven't um, haven't uh, tried any of their beers. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I think it's Gage. Grange, Gage, Gage, yes, Gage, you know? anyway, yes. That's it. Um, yeah, look, uh, Grange, what can I say? You know, this is one of my picks I'll talk about in, you know, the, the uh, two, two shining lights, you know, when we talk about mm -hmm. that. Like I said this last time, Grange is, you know, one of the cheapest stocks in the market with the, you know, you look at the fully frank dividend yield, which is what, around seven, six, seven percent. Um, it's on a price to earnings multiple of less than three. Uh, lots of cash in the bank. Half their market cap is in cash and receivables. So, and the iron ore price is still above 160 US a ton, you know, with the Aussie dollar at 76 cents. There's no question they, they will have another great quarter. Uh, this quarter when they report next month so you know when they report the march quarter results i i'd be very surprised if they haven't shot the lights out again so for me that's um you know where um yeah it's it's a hold and definitely a buy down here and um that's i'm certainly not selling that's for sure okay well let's uh, go we're about halfway in folks so just a reminder that if over the weekend you get a little lonely go to the website spotty.com.au to watch replays of the show there you can get us on your favorite podcast channel as well and even read up on our consulting services if you believe that we could be of assistance uh, to you and feel free to follow both david and myself on social media and the like to keep abreast of what we're doing in our world um, and also remember to take some time to download the Share Wealth Systems white paper, 16trades.com. That's 16trades.com to learn the qualities required to be a successful investor as authored by Gary Stone, such as the need to keep your powder dry. When someone tells you to keep your powder dry, they mean to make sure that you're not going to come up short in the event of a crisis. Now, Gary is a big advocate for market timing and the preservation of investment capital, as David is too, particularly when markets become overheated. So be patient protect your capital, uh, just so that you can live to fight another day. Because when markets correct, and they will, there is nothing worse than copying a capital loss and then looking around to see all those opportunities. But you can't actually take them uh, as opportunities because you've got all your capital locked in at price, prices 
way higher than that. I mean, you don't want to be Elmer Fudd lamenting no more bullets, of course. So download the ebook 16 Traits from our friends at ShareWell Systems to learn how this year you'll be armed and ready to catch that wabbit when it occurs. Don't know when, but it will. It'll happen. All right, so let's go back to markets, continuing on their positive tear. Currently, the XJO, the 200, up 1.7%. The XAO, up 1.58%, continuing that trend of the larger cap, more cyclical businesses driving the support, but dragging a few uh, companies up there with it. One company um, for you, David, and let's talk about the sector as a whole, uh, Uranium. It's a stock that has been mentioned on this program. I know David Hunt is a fan of it. Uh, the company is Boss Energy. Uh, the code is BOE. The honeymoon project in South Australia is what it's uh, renowned for. Um, he would like our view in regards to this. So just your view in regards to Boss, if you have one. And then next step, you know, uranium, because let's face it, there's a lot of uh, uranium bulls out there, but it seems like a, a continuous story that uh, never seems to end. They just keep getting disappointed, unfortunately. Yeah, look, Elio, um, yeah. uranium's been in the doghouse for some time uh, since, since the Fukushima disaster, mm. you know, and the shutdown of, um, of uh, nuclear plants. But there's a, a rising demand. There's definitely a supply demand imbalance for uranium and so you know there's a there's a lot of movement going on right now where the people are positioning themselves and investors and institutions who are who are bulls in that the uranium market i mean right now i think the uranium price is around 30 dollars uh us i mean before i'd get excited you want to see the uranium price above 50 or 60 dollars us um per pound uh but uh, uh Boss here just did a capital raising, it looks like about 60 million at 14 cents, which is where it is today. And they're mm. buying 1.25 million pounds of uranium to put into storage. Now, you know, um, as far, far as I can tell, looking at the, um, I mean, the, the, the stock itself has been on a tear from those lows of when it was down to about six cents in November, um, late November, uh, it was six and went to a high of 17. So there's certainly been some, you know, big buying in the stock, and now you've got this capital raising. Um, so you know, there's obviously a few, few bulls out there optimistic about the uranium price. But the fact of the matter is, look, the company is not producing at the moment. Um, hasn't made a profit for, for what I can see for the last ten years. Yeah. Um, you know, it's market cap valuation of about 250 million. You know. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, you know, with no earnings. So if you ask me, would I buy this right now, given a couple of stocks I've already mentioned, like Medusa, no way. I'd be, you know, sticking to those companies that are actually making money and paying dividends and that I see, uh, you know, got more upside. But look, this is the area that people are getting excited about at the moment. It's driven by the story, like we've seen in many other, uh, other different areas of the market, like buy now, pay later space. It's driven by, you know, sentiment and and um, speculation. Yeah, definitely the Dr. Zeus cycle we're going through at the minute. Just add a bit more color to that, um, Ismail, because um, Boss is a stock that I've held and uh, done well out of, but uh, David touched on that capital raising. That was um, the, re now, the reason behind it or why they did it wasn't because they haven't got anything under at Honeymoon and then they need something to sell eventually. Um, the reason why they did it, according to the company, so take it uh, for what it's worth, for what it's worth, is that they want to de-risk the restart of the mine. So when they do get it restarted, because it was operational, and then you know uh, uh, 
uh, uranium prices fell through the floor, so it wasn't economical. So basically it's held off and now they're looking to get it restarted. But in order, just in case there's any few operational issues or the like, well, then they've got a stockpile that they can meet their orders. Because what is key to getting these things started is not the fact that the uranium price is high, but that they can actually sign contracts that will then take the uranium off their hands rather than hitting it on open market. And if they do that, that'll get them the ability to raise the funding that they need to then get the project off the ground. So it's all basically ready to go. And that's what this is for. But they've paid a little over $30 a pound for it. And really, they've only done it for one reason. And that is they expected the price to go up. Otherwise, they wouldn't have bought it right now. But again, like I've said before, it's like waiting for a bus on Sunday sometimes with uranium prices. You think they're going to go up, but they just never bloody come. Just be careful uh, in regards to that. Um, a stock that's had another, uh, been on another similar tear um, from Angus on the text machine um, wants to know what's happened with PointsBet, PBH. Now, he did send this yesterday in the afternoon. Its prices rebounded a little bit today. Um, but he said there was no news, but it fell 10% today. Um, it is up, I think, around 4% or something like that. So PBH. Uh, David, uh, uh, your view in regards to this stock, because there's a, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of hot talk around PBH. And let's throw in BET, a stock that we talked about yesterday. Um, you know, do you have a view on this particular business at all? Uh, yeah, well, I've got a bearish view on it. Okay. <laughs> you know, looking at the, uh, looking at the, the trend. Um, yeah, look, it had a fantastic run from, you know, again, from the lows last year, where it was a down to, gosh, wow, it looks like, you know, below $2 and up to um, $17.50. Uh, it's $12.80 at the moment, but the trend here looks a bit, um, uh, at the moment, bearish because it's fallen sharply from $17.50 on the chart down to $12.80 where it is. Then, then it uh, bounced back up to 15, failed. Now it's come down and testing that $12.80 level again so if it breaks below this level the next level will be ten dollars and and lower if it breaks below that now the problem i've got with it of course is points bet i was just looking at their financials i mean if you look at it their gross profit okay from the first half of uh, 2020 to the first half of 21 went from 12 million to 25 million and then if you take out the sales and marketing expenses and marketing expenses went from 20 million to 63 million over that comparative period. Uh, then you look at employee benefits, 14 to 90 million. So, in all, in summary, they had a earnings before interest tax and depreciation, a loss of the first half of 28 million. It's now 69 million dollar loss. So then I look at, looking at the uh, you know the market value of this uh, company. Um, let me just have a quick look at it, uh, what it is. But at the moment, it's uh, it's got a market cap value of 2.25 billion, mm. and it's just lost 69 million. Um, you know, look, okay, they got some technology, and they've acquired some other business that's got uh, some technology in the betting technology arena, and they're expecting market penetration and, and growth, which is great. But look. It's not showing up here on on the results, and you know, would I be buying this at the moment? No way, you know, just on valuation, looks very expensive. Doesn't mean it doesn't have a bright future, but uh, I can find better and I prefer to buy something that's making money and paying dividends. Thank you. I'm old school when it comes to that. I must say. Yeah. Well, look, Angus. From my view, I was um, you know sort of 
devilishly sort of happy because I got stopped out of PBH at around $12.70 and then I noticed the price popped up towards back to $14 and then I was worried I left some on the table. But it's nicely come back now to make my ego feel a little bit better. Simple one here really though. What happened was on Monday night, the Australian newspaper said that Betmakers Technology might be making a pitch for Tabcorp, which would have been interesting that a $700 million business would have bought out a $5 billion business. But I'll leave that alone. Matt Tripp can make anything happen, they tell me. Um, but that the major bit in regards to that wasn't the fact that that offer was going ahead. But it was more that, you know, that putting it, its own wagering business, which it's gone and made that acquisition for, as you heard David say, could put that under a bit of pressure. Now, there's a lot of water to pass under the bridge. They're looking to make extensive um, expansion into the US. They're doing very well getting all the relative approvals. We know the deal with NBC as well is also um, very good. But as David's articulately put, you're definitely paying above the odds for this one here. There's no other way um, to say it. And therefore, at the moment, it is one that you just have to use charts to assist you uh, to manage. It does have a very bright future. I'm very confident. I'm just looking for a re-entry point. To be honest with you, I'll be back on the train. It's just not right now. But it is a good company and something to uh, keep abreast of. Um, David, just a, a quick question on a stock by the name of Investigator Resources, code IVR. We talked about the gold price, but IVR is involved in silver. Um, back in uh, early Feb, they came out with a massive silver deposit when everyone was getting a little bit excited about the uh, silver stuff. But its share price has done that old pop and drop uh, pattern that we talk about regularly on this program. And uh, yeah, just uh, an update for Ismail in regards to that, please. Yeah, look, um, again, it comes back to your view about precious metals, particularly silver. Um, silver's been heading south just like Gold. At one point, they were talking about there was, you know, silver. There was, um, you know, it's like the Bunker Brothers back in whenever the eighties. You know, yeah. talking about cornering yeah. the silver market and the silver supply, and you know, it was going to um, escalate. And people bought into that story recently, and we saw a little bit of a pop up in silver, but then we've seen it pull back with gold. Now, the thing with Investigator Resources is they've got a really good uh, silver deposit here in South, South the Paris deposit. Uh, in South Australia, and they're getting some fantastic grades on their silver um, um, drilling. And they haven't come out with a final a resource yet, but they expect it to come out with one soon. But just the grades alone is, is very encouraging. Um, so from that point of view, again, um, you know, you want to get that it's, it's another, it's a speculative play, but nevertheless, the results they're getting are encouraging. And um, I would wait for a resource update. It's got to look like $103 million market cap. I don't think they've got a lot of money in the bank. Um, that's one thing I haven't looked at. But uh, their high grades are very encouraging, like I said. And at the moment, the trend is heading down with the silver price. So I wouldn't be rushing to buy this one. I'd certainly have it on my watch list um, and looking for a turnaround and um, a resource um, announcement as well. So I'm not adverse to this, but I wouldn't be buying it right now because the trend is negative since it hit that high around, you know, 10 and a half, 11 cents, and it's come back to seven and a half cents here at the moment. So, uh, and it's not producing, so no cash flow as well. So again, it's a speculative play, but I do like the grades that the, the high grades they're getting, and I would be um, just putting on my watch list right now. All right, I'll get to ask you about your two stocks to shine a light on in a moment, David, but just quickly in regards to Ismail, you asked about Gen X Power. Well, 
Um, you know, obviously they've got their uh, uh, hydro asset up there in uh, Kipton up there in North Queensland and they signed that agreement with Energy Australia. It's basically a lock. It'll be an income producer when they eventually start getting electricity out of it in 2025. Um, and Nick, you asked about Jackster, JXT. Go to the website, spotty.com.au. John Athanasiu, who's one of our chief spotters, uh, you can go and just look at in the search in the right-hand bar, just type in JXT, and you'll get his view on the business because it's one we've spoken about a number of times before. And it is, um, you know, yes, speculative, um, but it does have the big potential, as you noted. Okay then, David, time for you to step up to the plate and help us shine the light on uh, two stocks. Uh, proudly brought to you, of course, by our friends at Macro Capital, uh, who provide all the various bits and pieces you need to invest successfully, including uh, all the executions some research tools and a whole bunch of other stuff. So go to their website, uh, macro, M-A-Q-R-O.com to learn more there. So David, what two stocks, uh, and yes, throwing Grange Roads <laughs> that you'd like us to shine the light on, please? Grange Resources, yeah. Grange okay, Resources, one, oh, I'm, I'm never going to live this down, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Look, one, one that I really like, I mentioned um, last year and it, and it went for a really nice run um, is N, um, NWH or NRW yep. Holdings. Um, this is, this is a, um, you know, a, a, a contract mining services, um, infrastructure services company. Uh, had a fantastic result. Um, when they came out with their, um, I think it was their half yearly um, result. Yeah, and the, the, but the stock popped up, you know, when I mentioned it the first time last year, it went from a run of $2 up to $3.10. Mm. Would you believe, and made an acquisition, it's come back to um, $2.03, which is extraordinary. And that's a level of buying support down here. I mean, their return on equity, um, you know, their growth in revenue is 69% and earnings 64%. They're paying a 4% fully frank dividend yield. I mean, they're on an earnings multiple of 11 times. With that kind of earnings growth and then nearly a, a market cap just under a billion dollars. Um, so this is, this is a strong buy for me in that sector and especially with infrastructure and mining services contracts and plus the acquisition they made is it looks like accretive for their earnings per share going forward. So NWH would be a, a buy for me down here. That's the first one. And the second one, well, look, I mean, I've mentioned Medusa Mining and Grange Resources, you know, there's two there, but you know, it's hard to go past Grange with the mm. iron ore price where it is. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Their, their earnings growth is 163% on their half yearly result. Uh, it, you know, it's a standout buy, um, and the trend is positive. It's pulled back from that 60 cent level to uh, where is it now? About um, 55 cents. What's interesting about this stock is, you know, that there's a lot of uh, speculators, traders out there, and you can see they drove the price up after the result from 44 cents to 60 odd cents, and then back to 44, 45 cents very quickly. Um, when there was, you know, the stock didn't follow through after it pulled back. So now it's rallied back to 49.50 cents. So to me, this is um, this is a big buy down here. And uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised if they announce higher another increase in their dividends when they report their full year results in August. Uh, you underestimate so, the pull of your power, David, when you appear on the show is when it jumped up to 60 and it's been a while since you've been on, so it retraced back. Well, look, my two stocks just quickly, Orbital Corporation code is OEC. They provide propulsion systems and other components for unmanned aerial 
vehicles like drones. Uh, they're not profitable yet, but they will be when their full year result comes out. They're the main supplier to uh, Boeing uh, uh, in situ. Uh, who are basically the unmanned aerial business of Boeing, which is pretty cool for a $72 million Aussie business. Uh, you know, its price was hit back in February on account of, revenue, of a revenue downgrade bought about by Boeing, not taking on one type of their engine. They've got two main types. They've got five in production, but two they're selling at the moment. Um, since that turbulence, though, price has stabilized. They've retained their guidance at their half-year result, and they've won a new contract with uh, Textron, who, was, uh, who is also... Um, a company that uh, builds drones and the like, and they're one of the largest in the world. So um, they still got to develop that engine, though, because you've got to develop the engine relative to the vehicle, to the item, and that's revenue is expected to come in 2020 for that. But they'll have that contract for 10 years. Um, so um, OEC is a good little stock to look at. The next is PSC Insurance Group, a diversified insurance group with operations here in Australia and the UK. PSI is their code for those playing along at home. Uh, they're engaged in a roll-up strategy, acquiring brokers to feed their network, most recently two businesses in the UK to build out their London exposure. Um, and their half-year result was quite good. Um, you know, revenue grew by 25, earnings per share up by 36%. Um, expect EBITDA to come in at the top end of guidance. They paid a grossed-up dividend yield of 4%, payout ratio of 70 So an interesting way to play that space, including former CEO Paul Dwyer, who owns 18% of the business, and he comes from OAMP stock that was bought by West Farmers for $700 million and then sold it off eight years later for a billion dollars. Uh, well, that's it. We saw the light with Macro Capital. So go to the website, macromaqro.com.au to learn more about their services today. And that's all we have time for today and this week. So on behalf of all of you, thanks again to David Novak from Wealthwise Education. Thank you for your insights today. Thank you, Elio, and thank you to the viewers. And um, just a reminder, we have a course coming up at the beginning of May, 1st and 2nd, if anybody wants to join. And that website, wealthwiseeducation.com. Go to the courses section and you'll see it there. Um, yes, it's the last show for this week. So go to spotty.com.au to watch uh, any replays. Take some time to consider our consulting services as well if you feel you need some help. There's going to be no show on Easter Monday. So if a question pops up in your head, send it to those email and text message numbers. You know the ones. Um, and we're always on the lookout for new talent. So please send any requests through. Thanks again to Share Wealth Systems for your ongoing support. Uh, 16trades.com is the name of that white paper or the website for that white paper. And until next week, I'm Elio D'Amato. You've been watching Spotty and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares. Happy Easter. Enjoy the gauge roads and for heaven's sake, be safe. Stream Ticker News Live on the Ticker app, on your social media platforms or 